Red Sox sweep the Blue Jays in a four-game series. You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Lockdown Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Lockdown Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Kanazuski. And here, as always, with my co-host, Nessens, Lauren Willand. And I don't know about you listening to this episode. You're excited for the weekend. You got a smile on your face. But I'm not only excited for the weekend, but this Red Sox team is really good right now. So I don't know how you can't be happy with how things are going. They're a lot of fun to watch. And I mentioned this in Thursday's episode that when they went down in during uh, during Wednesday's game, they never felt like they were out of it. Like the bats are just, they're heating up at the right time. The pitching looks, I'd like the pitching to be a little bit better, but there, there are not a lot of complaints given that they're just doing their job. And I think that right now on May 5th, they're surprising a lot of people and they're surpassing some expectations right now. I hope this can keep up because this is, a fun team and Adam Duvall is still, you know, going to come back soon. And I obviously, you know, where he fits in this lineup, but it's also like, who, who's bad? Are you taking out to make the spot for him? It's a good problem to have, but a lot of fun watching baseball. This is a much different tune than we were singing one year ago today. And you know, it really is crazy looking back at 2022, not only how different, the feeling is but also how different the team played against ALE's teams like we saw them struggle time and time again I don't think they won a series until way later in the season and they just swept the Blue Jays in a four-game series and this is the first four-game series they've swept an ALE's team since August 2018 their first four-game sweep of the Blue Jays at Fenway since a five-game sweep in July of 2002. And I'm, I'm guessing it was like a double header or something like that, but I don't know. I was three years old. <laughs> wow. You just, woo, I was 13. Like I, <laughs> But no, I mean, this, I mean, something like that just goes to show how hard it is to sweep a four game series. It's hard to sweep a series in general, but a four game series against an AL East opponent and the Blue Jays in particular. I know that the Red Sox struggled against all AL East opponents last year, but the Blue Jays, they just could not figure out so to see this happen this early, and the Blue Jays are a good team. I know that Springer has struggled a little bit, but you look at who's on that roster, and they are a good team. And now the Red Sox have kind of catapulted their way over them and the Yankees in the ALE standings. It's it's fun baseball, and I, I think that they have a lot of momentum on their side right now, and now they're going into a series with the – with the Phillies, I almost said the Flyers, but with the with the Phillies, and just keep carrying that momentum into this next series because all of it is on their side right now, the Red Sox side, especially after completing this four-game sweep. And, you know, it's interesting how the tone sort of changed from the week right after Adam Duvall's injury where the offense sort of seemed like ghost, like no nobody was really stepping up. And we, we were thinking, you know, somebody needs to, you know, have the spark, you know, Rafael Devers can't be the only guy who's scoring runs and you can't expect him to go four for four with four home runs every single up at bat to score runs for this team. And and now we're looking at it, you know, a few weeks later, the Red Sox have the second best on base percentage in baseball 
and the second lowest strikeout percentage with 19.6%. And, you know, we talked about the patience and, you know, definitely showing not only in the stats, but also on the play. It's It's been really great to not only see the power display, but also the lineup's ability to get on base in multiple different ways. Yeah, they're putting the ball in play. They're drawing walks. They're taking advantage of some of, you know, some errors from other teams, the sloppy defense of other teams. And they're just, they're being aggressive in a good way on the base path. I know we saw a lot last year where it's like, what, what the hell are you trying to do? Steal the base like that. But they're, they just, they look very locked in, very tuned into what's going on. And now it's, you know, that's translating into wins because even though I, sometimes they're still swinging at pitches and that's always going to happen that are just so far out of the zone. Like what, what yeah. the heck are you swinging at? But you know, beggars can't be choosers. And I think that with this win streak, with the, the series sweep and just how everyone looks at the plate. I mean, you have people drawing walks. Like I said, you're, they're just taking advantage of any, any kind of error that their opponent is doing any miscue by their opponent. They're taking advantage and they're making sure they're getting on base and then taking advantage of it, which we knew last year, how much of a problem leaving runners on base and runners in scoring position was. And they just it looks like they're a whole new team this year and yes they are a whole new team this year but those those little things taking advantage of those little things translates into wins and we're seeing it in real time and you know one thing that made the 2018 team so lethal was their ability to be aggressive on the base pass and really take advantage like you said of of any sort of miscue that that the opposing team made and you know i think last night's game on thursday was a perfect example of you know springer not getting the ball in that quickly into the infield and Raul Maltapia find a way to round round first and sort of get a double out of like a little bloopy single. And, you know, Duran did the same exact thing like a week and a half ago. And, you know, it is interesting when you, when you brought up, you know, how much the Jays really beat down on the Sox last year, you always go back to the 28 to five game. And it's really crazy thinking back to last year and now looking at it to this season for Maltapia and Jaron Duran in the same lineup are smacking around Kevin Gosman, the Jays' ace. Who would have thought? It's it's funny <laughs> to see. I mean, I know that the Nesson cameras caught on Thursday, uh, Duran and Tapia in, in the outfield, you know, just kind of having a good time. And it's just so much can change in a year and so much can change in the matter of a few months. And, you know, you mentioned Duran and Tapia now being teammates. But you also look at Duran, who's just done a complete 180 from last year. And there was a lot of questions about his maturity. He opened up about his mental health a little bit and just having the, the interactions, the negative interactions with the fans, some negative interactions with the Woo Sox and their fans as well, or the, the, the opposing fans. It's just a complete 180. I don't know if, you know, he got necessary help and the support system, but he looks like he's having a lot of fun and he looks like a much different player. And yes, of course he caught fire right now. That could all fade out very soon. But to see the the change in him just from the 28 to 5 game to uh, Thursday's game is huge. And I think that's going to be huge for him and huge for the Red Sox, no matter which direction they want to go. I mean, he could be upping his trade value right now or mm-hmm. the Red Sox could be like, OK, we hit on this guy. He's finally coming into being this really strong, serviceable MLB player. We're going to keep him around or you could just get a really nice haul for him. Who knows? But whatever whatever Duran did in the offseason and what he did in Worcester to start the season is working and it's like you see it right now what he's doing at the plate in the outfield just a very good turnaround for him in general yeah and the energy is just completely different I mean when they were doing like a pitching change he had his glove on his head smile on his face laughing with Tapia and even Yoshida too and you know 
you 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 can think about like that that language barrier, but it's still cool to see a guy like Yoshida still like finding ways to make jokes with with his teammates, and uh, you know, st- still finding ways to get to know each other as well. And you know, you're you're starting to see Cassis get a lot more comfortable at the plate too. You know, there's a lot of people throughout April that were really hard on Cassis, and you know, the the strikeouts were were a big uptick, and you know, he he was swinging out a lot of pitches, and you know, wasn't able to catch up to some of these uh, you know hard. Uh, MLB pitchers in in, in the the strikes that they were throwing but you know he's been able to show you know the patience that we already knew but now he's starting to correlate that to getting on base outside of walks and and, you know getting hits left and right which is really good to see for a young guy like him who we've been waiting to sort of get the gears falling and the other night if it was just a little bit windier at Fenway he probably would have had a grand slam so you know, it's just he's getting a lot more luck. And you look at his on-base percentage. And I talked about this in Thursday's episode. That his on-base percentage is, it, well, it was in, you know, two, 297, 257. It was two something seven. But then his batting average was like 150. So, you, you know, you look at stats don't tell the entire story. Of course, you want that batting average to get up. But I think that the more he comes into his own and he just continues to to work the pitchers. He's a very smart person. He's a very he's a man of routine. And mm-hmm. I think that eventually he will figure this out. He's 23, he's a rookie. This is his first major league baseball season. And Alex Cora, he said that, you know, he was that he that or Costa said that Cora instills his confidence in him. And then you think back to Dustin Pedroia's rookie season mm-hmm. and how the Red Sox stuck with him. And Alex Cora was playing alongside Dustin Pedroia. And they saw how when you stick with someone that you have a lot of confidence in that it can pay off. And I think, and I'm not saying that, you know, uh, Costas is going to have this incredible rookie season and win the rookie of the year award, but it's just a matter of being patient. And we've preached, preached patience a lot. And I think that that needs to ring true with Costas because you look at, he's a he's very athletic. We see the, the patience at the plate in terms of drawing walks and then now, and we've seen the power from him. So it's just a matter of like, figuring that out, getting his timing, right. He's going to be fine. And I'm excited to see, how he continues to grow this season, especially that, you know, having that confidence that your manager is sticking with you, that's got to be really good for the mental game, the mental side of it as well. Yeah, I agree. And especially, you know, with, with a young player, that mental game is so important. You know, we spoke about it with Jaron Duran and, you know, he brought up the rookie of the year, one guy who's, you know, leading the conversation right now, Masataka Yoshida. And it's interesting looking at, you know, statistics over the last, you know, 15 days or so. Yoshida and Duran are one and two in in terms of uh, batting average in all the MLB. Yoshida is batting 446. Duran is batting 429. So two of the Red Sox outfielders who you could still kind of consider Duran a little bit of a rookie. Two really young uh, Red Sox outfielders who are finding ways to not only get on base, but uh, really drive in a lot of runs for this Red Sox team. But we're going to break down uh, you know, Thursday's game and Brian Bayo's start more in our second segment. But before we do that, Lauren just wants to talk to you about Rocket Money. So if you're like me, sometimes you just do the free trials of subscriptions. But before you know it, that free trial turns into a monthly subscription and you just completely forgot about it. But Rocket Money can help you find those unwanted subscriptions and cancel it for you. Maybe you had one of those try it free for 30 days, that Stars app that you wanted to watch that one show, that one episode, and all of a sudden it's just another monthly charge on your bank account. You're not alone. I'm not alone. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forgot about. You be wasting money, not even realizing it, but Rocket Money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for the ones that you don't use. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Because most Americans think they spend around about $80 a month 
when actually it's closer to 200. And if you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money because it's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and it helps you lower your bills all in one place. So you just go in, it finds you all of your subscriptions and all you have to do is hit cancel on the ones that you don't want. It's that easy. It saved me a ton of money and it can save you a ton of money per month. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel those unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. One more time for those in the back, rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. So in the first segment, we talked about the patience as well as how productive the Red Sox offense has been over this first month. And you can call it a few days or so. But, you know, one thing that I think that patience at the plate really helps is being able to drive up the starting pitcher's pitch count. And the Red Sox have knocked out the opposing starter before he completed the fourth inning 10 times this season. That's the most in the MLB and no other team has done it more than six times and we saw the Red Sox score six runs in the first two innings uh, on Thursday's matchup and I, I think that when, when you score not only that amount of runs but when you drive up the pitcher's pitch count really early in the game that puts a lot of pressure not only on the starting pitcher but the entire team on how they're going to really plan out the rest of the game with the bullpen and having to sort of come back into the game and I think that just puts a lot of pressure on, on any opposing team. And you got to be happy with what, with what the Red Sox have done early in game so far. Yeah, that pressure is very important. I mean, we've seen several times the Red Sox going down late in games or going down early in games and not being able to kind of crawl back from that and claw away at that deficit. And now that's what they're doing. I mean, putting up six runs, of course, is is great. Putting up three runs should also be enough to be able to kind of hold that lead. But in doing so, in, when you're creating that pressure for the opponents, you're also adding a little cushion for your team and especially your starting pitcher. And for someone like Brian Bayo to have that lead, thank God he did because we did see a little bit of a struggle in the fifth inning from, from him on Thursday and the Blue Jays started to kind of craw, uh, claw back. But having that extra cushion, as much pressure as it causes the, the other teams to be like, okay, we're down early. There's still a lot of game left. We have to get going. It also helps your team and being like, okay, we have a bit of a cushion here. Let's not ruin it by any means. But if they score a run or two, it's going to be okay. We still have that cushion there. And it gives probably gives your starting pitcher a little bit more confidence going into an inning when you're up six, six nothing instead of right. being down six nothing. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, we, we saw a lot of different guys on the offensive side, uh, not, not only, you know, make a big impact, but somebody also passed a milestone. Rafael Devers hit his 150th home run. He's the 18th player to hit 150 for the Red Sox, but only the third to do so before turning 27. And the one thing that I always think about is especially after, you know, we saw uh, Albert Pujols pass 700 and, you know, Miggy passed 500, you know, two years ago. That's why I always think about looking at these sort of players like Juan Soto or Rafael Devers earlier in their career, being able to pass these milestones. And all I think about is, could we see Rafi, you know, rounding around the bases hitting 500 at some point? I mean, it's, it's, it's not an impossible task. It's an improbable feat for sure. I mean, maybe I think that, you know, he does have, he does have that potential. I mean, we know the power we've seen his, his power, but I wonder too, if that, if, I mean, that, that should never be like, I mean, of course it should be a goal, but that should never be like the end goal to make, mm -hmm. make sure I hit 500. I think that he still needs to calm down on some of his swings. And I think that I, I know we know he has the power. We know he can hit moonshots, but 
sometimes I'm like, this man is going to throw out his back before he's before he's 30 because the swings he takes, I'm like, I just threw out my back watching that. But I think that if he kind of calms down that swing and, you know, stops swinging for the fences and maybe start swinging to put the ball in play, which I think we've seen a little bit more of, then maybe that becomes more becomes clearer for him, a clearer path for him. But obviously I'm not putting any money on it. It's mm-hmm. it's something fun to, to think about because, I mean, how long has it been since someone has hit 500 you know it's I think it's uh, it's almost like Wayne Gretzky's goal record it's it's going to get it likely will get broken by Alex Ovechkin in the coming years but it's something like that well will we see anyone kind of do that again who will it be because MLB has a lot of superstars in it right now that mm-hmm. have a lot of power that could do it could Raphael Devers be included in that category perhaps but it's I mean I feel like the I feel like MLB has enough players or superstar players power hitting players that, that could be a possibility at some point. And, you know, I, I always go back to 2021 playoffs when he sort of like it was either his wrist or I can't remember exactly what it was, but he was swinging out of his shoes every single yeah. swing. And, yeah. you know, you could just see the agony uh, in his face after some of those swings uh, in the 2021 playoffs. So definitely want to try and avoid that. But, you know, there was a lot of guys in this Red Sox lineup who went five for three in, in this game. Yoshida, three five for five. For th- or three for five. <laughs> I said five for three. Oh my gosh. Three for three. Yoshida went three for five with three RBIs. Uh, Devers went three for five with four RBIs. And we saw Jaron Duran and Justin Turner pretty much have the same exact output three for five with one RBI. Uh, but it's, it's nice to see, you know, the Red Sox have multiple guys that they can look towards to not only be able to get on base, drive in runs. And, you know, it seemed like anytime Masataki Yoshida came up with anybody on base, you know, he showcased it in the WBC breaking the record in RBIs, but now really not only showcasing his power, but also his on base ability. Like I said, went three for five and extended his hitting streak to 14 games. I think Joe DiMaggio is getting a little bit nervous. <laughs> it's been, it's been incredible to watch him. And I know that, you know, I had, you know, not doubts, but I had, you know, concerns. I was cautiously optimistic about this guy. And I know that you were too, but mm-hmm. we knew that this is the kind of power that he possessed. And it was just a matter of can what he did in Japan, can what he did in the WBC translate to MLB. And right now it has, he looks very good at the plate. He is just, he's got power. He's scoring runs. He's having a lot of fun, which I think is also very important in your first year in MLB, you can't really speak English, so you're trying to connect with your teammates on a different level. And it's just, it's so much fun to watch. And I love the dumbbells. I know that <laughs> I love when teams have something special like that and just something like quirky after home runs or something. And it's just, it's fun. And it kind of adds to the chemistry of this team. And especially when they're winning, especially when they're sweeping an AL East opponent, it makes it all the more fun. I love what I've seen from him. And you mentioned, you know, several players having multi-hit games it was also encouraging to see every player in the starting nine have at least one hit so it's Mm -hmm. you know that's that's a good sign that this offense is clicking and it's it's just good to see we're watching fun Red Sox baseball and, you know, I, I think as well, it's it's easy to look at the projections at the beginning of the season, at least for specifically Yoshida, because we didn't know what we were going to get. You know, right. you can look at what, what he outputted in Japan. But, you know, we talked about it all offseason. We expected him to struggle early. And, you know, he, he, he did. You know, I think he had an 0 for 17 slump. But after that, he really just clicked it into gear. And it's really interesting because I've not only been looking at this, you know, with Yoshida, but also – uh, with Verdugo too, because Verdugo has five home runs and he had 11 last season. And, you know, Yoshi had, or Masa has uh, six this year so far, and they projected him to have 18 to 19. So obviously there's going to be a little bit of a dip off where they're not exuding this much power 
uh, in a, as consistently, but like it really is tough not to try and like guess what we're going to see uh, at, at, at the end of September in, in terms of home run numbers. Obviously, that, that's not the only thing that matters, but especially for both guys like Verdugo and Yoshida, who you, know, you expected them to get on base, but you didn't expect this much power. And, you know, it's interesting looking at, you know, the 18 or 19 number of amount of home runs at the end of the season. That looks like an underestimation right now for Yoshida. I think Verdugo is on pace right now to hit 25 home runs, which is incredible. I mean, I know his brother had mentioned that he was hurt at the beginning of last season. He had the the broken toe and there was, you know, there was other issues that he was facing throughout the season and to see him completely healthy and to see Alex Verdugo just kind of come into this, this really strong baseball player. He's, he keeps us up. He's hitting his way into the all-star game, which is crazy to think that, you know, two years ago, three years ago when he came here, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, if he can at least just be serviceable, which I've said that too, then it'd be a, a fine trade for the Red Sox. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch him this year. I mean, he already has so much swagger and just so much personality to him and to see him be able to show that off even more because he's playing very well and the team is winning, I think is a lot of fun, a lot of fun for, for him, the Red Sox and their fans. I agree. And, you know, I, I think with a lot of these different guys in this lineup, it's, it's tough to not have a lot of confidence when they come up to the plate. But but one guy, you know, Red Sox fans, and I think the front office as well, is, is trying to get back to that confidence level uh, with a guy like Brian Bayo on the mound. Has struggled so far in his past few starts, uh, you know, obviously coming back from, uh, you, you know, that forearm uh, tightness earlier in, in spring training and just hasn't really looked the same. And, you know, you brought up that those struggles in the fifth inning. But, you know, the one thing that I saw from Bayo uh, that we haven't really seen too, too much in, in his last like three starts or so is his ability to have pinpoint control. You know, it, it seemed like his his changeup uh, was super effective, uh, w- was able to throw that uh, 23% of the time and, and got a lot of good swings and misses on it as well. Um, got 11 swings on that changeup. He usually used his his sinker for the most part through it 47% of the time. But uh, it, w- it was just nice to see him looking a lot more confident and comfortable on the map, especially for him, you know, I, I think a lot of people could agree that that demotion was sort of just a roster move with the amount of pitchers that they had on the team. It was just manipulation. But, you know, he's he's sort of uh, at this point needing to show that he's he's going to improve and continue to develop with each and every single start. Yeah, and I think we saw he had an aggressive approach on Thursday that really worked out for him. And we know that the talent is there. We, we saw it in Worcester last year. We've seen it with the Red Sox. And now it's just a matter of, you know, trying to – settle down a little bit more and just continue to do what's worked for him in those earlier innings. And I think he's a starter. I would love to see him, you know, almost as maybe a longer reliever, like an opener almost. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I had this, I think it was with Tanner Houck. I was saying that maybe that could be his role as well, but I love what I saw from Bayo despite, you know, some hiccups, but I, I think that he's hungry, he's ready to go and being able to come out, go out there, get, get that run support. And then also, you know, shove like he, he was really he looked really, really good at times. And I was like, this is the bail that everyone has been saying, like, this is it. This is who he is. This is the bail we've been waiting for. And I think he just has a few more things to work out. And bam, he's going to be. A, could he be the ace of this rotation? That's a lot to ask right now. But I mean, you look at him and I'll take him over Corey Kluber any day. 
Yeah, and it's interesting when you look at that fifth inning. It seems like there's there's a lot of Red Sox stars that that struggle in that specific yeah. inning and just aren't able to get out of it. Curious to see how things continue to develop, uh, you know, th- throughout the season with this starting rotation. But we're going to speak a little bit more on an update regarding a Red Sox bullpen arm that is on his way back. But before we do that, I just want to talk to you about better help. So I don't know about you. We've spoken about. Uh, mental health a lot on this podcast. I'm somebody who looks at my self-development uh, as, as a really important aspect of my everyday life. And, you know, I'm always looking to figure out, you know, why I do different things in different situations, how to go about some of these different tough situations that happen in life. And it's always nice to be able to have people outside of your parents or your friends that you're able to talk to about some of these tough situations. And, you know, therapy has been a great tool for me to not only find more balance in my life, but also be able to keep supporting others without leaving myself behind. And so if you're looking for something similar and you're looking for somebody to talk to, BetterHelp is the best way to not only find a therapist really easily, but also find one that's not only entirely online, but one that has a convenient and flexible schedule that is suited for your schedule. And all you got to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist and Swiss therapist anytime for no additional charge on BetterHelp. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MLB. And, you know, it's been nice to not only see Bayo come back from injury, you know, Paxton is on his way back. You know, we're going to see him get one more start in Worcester before he comes back. But Julie Rodriguez made a rehab assignment in Worcester uh, two days ago and ended up looking good. You know, he, he, just pitched one inning uh you know he, he batters were only able to muster a fly out a soft single struck out swinging and then another fly out and i'm curious to sort of see the musical chairs that we see when julie rodriguez comes back is this the time when when uh brazier gets out i mean maybe could this be the final the final not the straw that breaks camel's back but the the move the final move that the red sox have to to move brazier dfam release him whatever it's very interesting. And I think that, you know, seeing the the rehab start from Jolie Rodriguez was very encouraging. It was, you know, it's much better. I'd much rather what we saw from him in his rehab outing than, you know, James Paxton two rehab starts ago when it just was not working for him. So very encouraging. And yeah, I mean, you, you said it, the musical chairs, what's the move, what's going to happen. Is it, is Ryan Brazier going to make another cut that he probably shouldn't have made? It's, it's going to be very, very interesting because, I mean, he looks like he's the odd man out right now. And, I mean, he's looked like the odd man out how many times? So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still on this roster when he comes back, just given how the Red Sox have held on to him. But if they if they do finally, you know, DFA him or whatever, I think a lot of Red Sox fans are just going to be shocked that it actually happened and <laughs> not the fact that it did happen. Just like, they did it. Oh, my God, they did it. Pitch me, I'm dreaming. Yeah. But I, I mean, I mean, I think when you look at, you know, Brendan Bernardino, a guy who came up, you know, two weeks ago, he sort of cemented himself, in my opinion, in this bullpen on, on what he's shown you. He hasn't given you really indica- any indication that he can't uh, step up to the challenge of going against MLB batters. And, you know, Brazier has shown you time and time again that, you know, since 2018, when, when he sort of broke out, that, you know, he's not that same guy. And so I, I think, you know, the the arrow is pointed right at Brazier, but it's pointed right at Brazier, as you said, for, for months now on time. So curious to see if it actually does happen. But if you want to continue to hear about all the updates regarding the Boston Red Sox, make sure to subscribe to Locked On Red Sox over on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Also, make sure to follow the podcast over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. We want to thank you so much for making Lockdown Red Sox your first listen of every single day. And for our everydayers tomorrow on the show, excuse me, Monday on the show, uh, we're going to be recapping the Philly series and the games that have been played uh, over the weekend. So make sure to tune into that episode to get a synopsis and a breakdown of all those different games, but also follow myself on Twitter. It's at Jake Iggy and also my co-host Lauren is la 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 three laws Lauren with four R's. But as always, we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in. The support really does mean the world to us. And we'll end this episode, how we always end it. Keep the faith, stay positive, and let's go socks. Peace.